All right, fine. <clears throat> well, last week, last week we kicked off our new sermon series called Welcome Home. And the goal here is that we would see the church, both here at Crown of Life and the, the whole Christian church, right? Church with a, with a big C, as a vital and valuable part of our lives. And last week, we heard the comforting words that God has adopted us into his family through faith. And today, I really want to build on that premise. Because while last week we talked about how God made us part of the Christian community, today I want us to look at the blessings and the benefits of living in that Christian community. And so here's how this is going to look. First, we're going to simply acknowledge the importance of community to the human heart. Then we'll look at the caliber and type of community that we're part of. Because they influence us more than we know. And we'll also explore the temptation to isolate ourselves and, and the dangers of doing that. And in the end, we'll see that the church, God, our Christian community, is a gift from God. That he uses, he uses this gift to love us and to exhort us and to point us back to his grace. So first point, community is important. And now that truth is one of the only things ever one of the very, very few things that scripture, secular science, and modern media all agree on. Good luck trying to find a few other things that they agree on. So in the science realm, there was a study that started back in 1938. It continues on today. The, the Grant and Gluick study it had a few different names uh, <clears throat> in different parts and groups. But they asked the question. Their premise was this, that that they wanted to figure out what are the major factors that contribute to leading a happy and healthy life. And their hypothesis, as they started this, that they were expecting to find whether the factors would be things like wealth or intelligence, even genetics or habits. But overwhelmingly, still today, as the, as the study continues, they find that the result is that relationships connections. That is the biggest driving force for a happy and healthy life. Interesting. That's secular science's point. We see also the need and this desire for community is portrayed throughout our media, at least in the last 20 to 30 years or so. That's why we've gravitated towards shows like Cheers, where everyone knows Thank you. Okay, <laughs> Everyone knows your name. Or friends, because I'll be there for you. right? Or Big Bang Theory, or The Office, or something like that. And even though none of these shows are focused on the actual family unit, they all illustrate the importance, this natural drive within us for community. For a place where I belong. And all of this is summarized. Like, this is not new to God. Because he created us this way. It's summarized by God in the book of Genesis. Because after each day of creation, as he creates the, through the six days of creation, he looks at it and he says, that's good. That's good. And there's one thing prior to the fall that God said, he looked at and he said, that's not good. It was that man was alone. He says, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. See, from the beginning... God knew that community was a necessary and a valuable part of existence. People have this, this God-given longing for intimate community. 
We have this, this desire to belong, to have this sense of being at home. And that's innate. Because God built us that way. He wired us for connection, for community. And we see this modeled for us in Jesus. While Christ certainly took his, his moments to be in solitude, to rest from the rigors of ministry, he spent most of his time walking with and teaching his disciples. And even though he taught the masses and he was followed by multitudes of people, where was his attention? He was mostly focused on the 12 disciples. He lived life with them. They were his community. He, he was the godly example to them. He opened the scriptures to them. He utilized his community to influence the hearts of those around him. And that brings us to our second point, that community is not only important, but it is influential. Who we surround ourselves with matters. It affects the way we think, the way we operate. Scripture talks about this way more than we might think. Throughout the Old Testament, we hear this concept, right? God's command to his people Israel to not associate with these, these foreign nations who are worshiping foreign gods. And he tells us expressly why. Because they're going to influence you. They're going to bring you and, and, and lure you away from the true faith. They're going to lure you away from the Lord. And that's what we see. As we read through the story, that's exactly what happens. They start intermingling and intermarrying with these other, these other nations, and then all of a sudden they start walking away from the truth that God gave to them. We see it in the New Testament too. In the book of Galatians, Paul is, is writing to this fledgling church that has started now to return to Jewish legalism instead of living in the freedom of the gospel. And why? Paul, Paul tells them exactly, here's why you've started to do this. It's because false teachers have infiltrated your community. And now these stumbling Galatians have stopped obeying the truth and living in the truth because the influence of their bad company had corrupted their good character. That's what it tells us in 1 Corinthians, not specifically about the Galatians, but just that bad company corrupts good character. But I think Proverbs says it better when it says this. It says, if you walk with the wise, you become wise. But a companion of fools suffers harm. We become like the people in our closest community. Or as, as Jim Ron said, you are the average of your five closest friends. So we would do well to consider our community group the peers that surround us, the people who speak authoritatively into our lives, we should ask the question, are they leading us to be more Christ-centered and more Christ-like or less? Do they point us to Jesus? Do they point us to his victory and to his mercy and to his gentle care, to his bold proclamation of truth? Or does their outlook serve more as a poison that makes us angry with others? or hopeless for the future, or doubting God's love. Now, while this is extremely important for, for our children, for our youth, because they're impressionable, I think it's just as valuable of an exercise for us as adults. Who are the people that we've allowed to speak into our lives, and do they point us to God's word of truth, 
and grace. And they point us to the grace of Jesus. So here's what we know. Community is important. It's something that the Lord wove into his creative order. And we know that it is, uh, the community is also influential. The community that we participate affects the, how we see the world, what we value, and what we do. So as Christians, we might say, well, it's important then to be a part of a Christian community. It's true. And while we try to examine what a Christian community look like, looks like, we could look at Scripture because there's a plethora of examples there for us. So Jesus showcased what Christian community ought to look like. It's one that serves and cares for each other. Right? He washes his disciples' feet. Later in Acts chapter 2, the early Christians, they focused on four essential parts of worship. Four things. The study of Scripture, receiving the sacrament, prayer, and fellowship. Those four. They were in each other's lives. They were pointing people to the truth of the resurrected Christ in those four ways. In our first reading today, Paul, he uses the example, he utilizes the image of, of a body to best describe how a Christian community is to operate, right? We're, suppo we're supposed to be a unified force that hurts together, that rejoices together, and that cares for each other and serves one another. And there are countless examples of exactly that happening, not just here at Crown of Life, but throughout Christian communities around our world, where people are putting the interests of others first and are generally sharing their, their lives. There are cancer-plagued believers who are being driven to chemo treatment by brothers and sisters in Christ. There are couples who are providing care for children with special needs so that tired parents can have a night out. And there are families who are opening up their homes to welcome singles who are away from their family during the holidays. All of these are examples of, of, of Christian community being a community. But to be a member of God's family is to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. It's to walk through life together and to face the hardships and the trials of life with a family of Christians who will help us, who will support us, who will hug us. And yet we so frequently forget and even dismiss this blessing of a church home. And we succumb to that temptation to isolate ourselves from our Christian community. And there are a lot of reasons that we give for that. Right? There are a lot of reasons why we, why we might isolate. Right? For some, it's just a habit. It's a habit that we got into. Maybe we started that, fell into that habit during the pandemic. Right? We get busy. We get busy with our careers. We get busy with our schedules, busy with the kids, busy going from doctor's appointment to doctor's appointment to doctor's appointment. And so often the first thing to be dropped from that schedule is the time to connect with fellow believers. And for others, maybe we've isolated because of, of shame, right? Our lives are messy. Our choices haven't always been good. And so we're tempted to think that we don't belong in a Christian community. And, and though we may be tempted with that thought, I want you to know that that is an absolute lie from Satan. As the saying goes, we talked about this a few weeks ago, Andrew mentioned this, that the church is meant to be a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. This is not a place where we have to have our lives together. Instead, this is a place where we come to be healed by our Savior Jesus. 
Or perhaps the reason for isolation is more because we feel hurt or even betrayed by the church. Whether that's because of a misunderstanding or even because of intentional abuse, church hurt is a phrase that's more and more common in our world today. And that hurt can drive us away from, from a church community, even from Christianity altogether. Now, if you're struggling with the heartache of a negative experience in a church, even at this church, I want to say how sorry I am that that's what you're going through. Though church communities seek to be Christ-like, we often fail. We're sinners, and we can't live up to our Christian family name. And because of our human brokenness, we need the grace of Jesus just as everyone else does. And that grace, that grace of Jesus comes to all of us. Right? It comes to those who have been hurt by the church. It comes to those who have been the cause of that hurt. God loves and longs for all sinners, whether we've isolated ourselves or not, whether we've surrounded ourselves with people of wisdom or people of folly. Jesus came to be in community with us. He chose to come and dwell with us, to take us out of the sin that, that has sought and has isolated us from him. He has chosen to rescue us from our loneliness, and he has brought us near to him. He's made us a part of his community, his family. And he's accomplished this, this rescue, this act of redemption. He's done all of this through Christ's sacrifice on the cross, through his victory over the grave. And so regardless of our poor actions, regardless of our selfish choices, we remain connected to him, and we remain loved by him. He's made us a part of his community by grace. And now he puts his spirit in us so that we would be loving as he is loving and forgiving as he is forgiving and yes, even holy as he is holy. As Paul writes in Ephesians, you are no longer foreigners. You are no longer strangers. You are fellow citizens with God's people. You are also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. You are part of God's community. And it's a community that started back in Genesis chapter 1 and continues on still today. And not only does Jesus come to make us his own, to make us part of his family, but he's also formed the church and he works through the church to bestow his love and his grace and his blessings. As he's done throughout the scriptures, God continues to work through simple means and through sinful people. Right? He uses water to wash away evil. He uses spit to give sight to the blind. He uses bread and wine to forgive sin. He uses the edge of his cloak to cure illness. He uses misfits and miscreants and mumblers to lead his people, to proclaim his word. And in, this, in the greatest display of love, Christ uses his own body to carry the weight of our sin. He uses his own blood to cover our debts and to suffer our punishment. He uses an empty grave and a rolled away stone to defeat death and to win eternal life for all who believe in him. And now, today, he uses the church to proclaim that gospel. He uses us, our Christian community, 
to point others and to point one another to the loving, forgiving, life-restoring grace that Jesus gives to us. We are, as it says in 2 Corinthians, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. So what have we learned? We know that community is important. We know that it's influential. We know that it's meant to be a place of care and support. And yet, no community, not even a church community, is perfect in this. Instead, the church exists to point us to the perfect one. It exists to point us to the one who does bring healing and life and grace. And I think this is beautifully portrayed for us in the gospel reading today. Right, the man who's carried by his community, right? The paralytic man carried by his community, by his friends, and placed before Jesus. And then at Christ's feet, the man finds forgiveness. The man finds healing. And that is the ultimate purpose of any Christian community, to connect people to Jesus. That's what we do. That's what we're built for. That's what we're meant for. The blessing of a church community is not that we have to put on this mask of perfection. No, the blessing is we don't have to put on a mask of perfection or pretend like our life is all figured out or under control. Instead, we can come with our flaws and with our hurts to receive support, to receive encouragement, to receive prayer and his grace. A gospel-centered church community. That's what we're meant to be. And as such, we are to give forgiveness, the forgiveness of Jesus to sinners. And we are to receive the forgiveness of Jesus as sinners. One of the best descriptions of church that I've heard is this. That we are flawed people reaching out to flawed people with the flawless grace of Christ. That's why community is so important for us. Because Christ works through his church to comfort us when we suffer or when we grieve, to forgive us when we fail, to encourage us when we struggle, to spur us on towards love and good deeds. A Christian community is a gift from God. May we value it and utilize it as such. Let's pray. Lord God, you have created us for community, that we should not go through this life alone but rather that we'd be surrounded by other believers to encourage us, to point us to your son, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for bringing us into your household, into your family, into this church, that we can, and we are confident that you are here with us. And Lord, we thank you for working through these brothers and sisters around us this morning. We pray that, that we would be able to go through this life together with them in prayer. And we pray it all in Jesus' name.